Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley and my partner uh, Jim Dwyer has uh, professional school responsibilities tonight, so he'll be joining us next week. Uh, a little disorganized here. There's always a very quick transition between sports and me and the Gray Matters team. Anyway, obviously, uh, we'll just start out with brain damage awards. OJ gets a brain damage award. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the OJ case tonight, but uh, it might be a perfect metaphor that a guy that gets away with murder may be convicted for armed robbery. A metaphor for the war in Iraq, almost. Since uh, George Bush is getting away with Mass murder, and uh, ah, if only he would be indicted on uh, fouling up the American budget, a kind of a vicarious form of armed robbery. George Bush has morphed from top gun goon over the years to Shane, bring him on, to bubble boy, uh, and now he is in, he's just in complete... Uh, Denial, uh, complete disarray. Um, he's handed the ball off. All summer he was uh, extolling the virtues of Harry Truman, who's, of course, best remembered for that famous line, the buck stops here, while Bush is passing the buck literally, figuratively, and thoroughly. Tom Friedman is sometimes a weenie, but uh, he's actually got a pretty good quote um, recently quoting David Rothkop, visiting scholar, uh, scholar at the Carnegie Endowment. He said, in one fell swoop, George Bush abdicated to Petraeus, Malachi, and the Democrats. He said, uh, referring to David, David, General David uh, Petraeus and the Iraqi Prime Minister Nuri al-Maliki, Bush left it to Petraeus to handle the war, Maliki to handle our timetable and therefore our checkbook, and the Democrats to ultimately figure out how to end this. Well, if only it were so. Unfortunately... The analysis of the Bush speech uh, the day after and even the night of uh, last Thursday was incredible. Virtually every conservative commentator said this was a good week for George Bush. The speech was a success because he's been able to rein in any wavering moderate Republicans. Well, that remains to be seen. Um, it's remarkable how um, there's been a little follow-through on all sorts of wavering Republicans. Of course, some of them did uh, question uh, General Petraeus uh, aggressively. Uh, it was interesting, of course, when uh, General Petraeus said, I don't know, in response to are we safer. Uh, there's ample evidence, of course, that uh, globally terrorism is, is up and the notion that Iraq is, was somehow a threat to America at, at any time is, is absurd. Um, I like to view this war as really uh, this is the uh, 
uh, well, I, I guess you could say the literally the 17th year of the war. It's just gone in different acts. Acts one was uh, Act one was getting Saddam out of Kuwait, in which uh, the United States spent uh, about four four months building up a. Uh, a force of well over 500,000 as part of the so-called Powell Doctrine. Then there was the actual ejection of Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. Then there was uh, the uh, sort of uh, confused period during uh, 1991 in which George Bush's father uh, urged the Shiites to uh, uprise and overthrow Saddam Hussein. Uh, That, of course, didn't happen. There was no march to Baghdad by the American government so to speak. We withdrew. We imposed uh, very onerous sanctions on the Iraqi people. Um, Various estimates, by the way, regarding uh, how punitive those sanctions ultimately were. But clearly several hundred thousand people died. Uh, Depleted uranium, incidentally, was used uh, in the first Persian Gulf War by the American military, which uh, created uh, birth defects, environmental problems. and, of course, uh, ailments to our own troops, uh, plenty of contamination of Iraq followed. Then we had the food for sanctions period um, during the, the second half of the Clinton years. But we still maintained a no-fly zone, and we had effectively partitioned Iraq. Alan Greenspan apparently is out with a new book. He concludes that the war is, quote, about oil. Uh, that's interesting. But his analysis that uh, taking Saddam Hussein as uh, part of a geopolitical strategy in which the United States uh, needs to control the Straits of Hormuz is wildly mistaken. Uh, Saddam Hussein had no navy to control the Straits of Hormuz. In fact, the United States has um, pretty much uh, had two aircraft carriers and well over 100,000 troops scattered throughout the region. Let's remember that we have troops stationed in many, many Middle Eastern countries besides Iraq. Iraq has effectively become a new uh, military base for the American uh, military. Uh, George Bush, of course, talked about an enduring alliance uh, with the Iraqi government. Uh, This is remarkable. The Iraqi government is teetering on collapse. Uh, It's uh, clearly not lived up to any of the so-called benchmarks that quickly have been abandoned. And uh, the wavering Republicans, of course, continue to waver. Uh, Then, of course, we have Democrats, uh, frankly, uh, of the the top four Democratic presidential candidates, uh, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Richardson, and John Edwards, It's only the latter two that have any sort of unambiguous withdrawal strategy from Iraq. Uh, Hillary and Barack Obama are getting weak-kneed and are trying to seek a middle ground, um, and I don't think this is going to work. George Bush, of course, uh, didn't talk about the cost, didn't talk about taxes to pay for this continuing occupation which will cost another $180 billion. Didn't talk about the refugee problem. Instead, his magic word for the day was success. Then, of course, the next day we had Dick Cheney. We'll give him a brain damage award when he claimed 
uh, that the reason Iraq doesn't have any uh, Nelson Mandela or George Washington is Saddam Hussein killed them all. Well, yes and no. Saddam Hussein certainly killed plenty of his political opponents while he ruled Iraq. But the fact of the matter is most of the moderate professional people with any wherewithal have left Iraq long ago. Uh, most estimates put the total refugees uh, situation at about 4 million. Uh, if you can imagine this in America, it would be about 25 million or 28 million, somewhere in that region of total refugees. The American government, of course, has dragged its feet about accepting the refugees. It's ironic that Sweden has taken in um, something like 10 times the number of refugees that we have, and they're not even involved in this morass, this disaster, this fiasco. I mentioned the word fiasco because I thought uh, by far the best mainstream uh, analyst last week when talking about uh, Petraeus' testimony in the Bush speech and whatnot was clearly... Um, Thomas Ricks of the Washington Post that wrote a book called Fiasco. He uh, talked uh, specifically about the, the strategy of allegiances. He kept saying, are we switching allegiances, are they, or are they? And this, of course, is a confusing concept in the Bush mind. Bush's state statements in the speech are remarkable. <laughs> This had to have been the most—this is like Alice in Wonderland. And, of course, Bush is the queen of—what was she, the queen of hearts? Can't remember. It's been too long, but uh, this is through the looking glass where everything is upside down. Claims that we have 36 allies involved in this war <laughs> is unbelievable. Uh, it was pointed out that uh, Japan, I think, has two people there. New Zealand has one. <laughs> these people are included in Bush's uh, list of allies. Many of these people, by the way, are there just be because they need to have a, a military person uh, to uh, interact with the, uh, uh, you know, the embassy in the so-called green zone. Thomas Ricks pointed out that there are three different Shiite factions fighting for control uh, in the southern Iraq and that transferring security control to local forces, a phrase that he used repeatedly, is unclear. Then, of course, uh, Bush was touting the success in Anbar province on the very day that the sheik that was involved in uh, the so-called alliance, which, by the way, preceded the surge. It had nothing to do with the surge. Um, some of this Sunni tribesmen in Anbar were... Uh, fed up with outside uh, forces, so-called uh, al-Qaeda people, uh, long ago. And, of course, he uh, was assassinated that very day in a perfect act of uh, retribution. Uh, this just followed two weeks after he was photographed with Mr. Bush. Boy, talk about the kiss of death. And then what are they saying in Anbar province? Well, Gary Langer, the director of ABC News... <laughs> has remarkable results. Um, he writes in uh, the uh, 
16th of September's edition of the New York Times, a survey conducted August 17th through 24 for ABC News, the BBC, and NHK, the Japanese broadcasting system, among randomly uh, a random sample of 2,212 Iraqis found 72% in Anbar expressed no confidence whatsoever in the United States forces. 76% said the United States should withdraw now, up from 49% when we polled them in March, and far above the national average. Withdrawal timetable set aside. Every Anbar respondent in our survey opposed the presence of U.S. forces in Iraq. 89% quote strongly. So, every Anbar respondent called attacks on coalition uh, uh, coalition forces quote acceptable, far more than anywhere else in the country. All called the United States invasion wrong, including 68% who called it quote absolutely wrong. Well, this is the looking glass world of George Bush. Um, this is uh, the region that we've made uh, a little less violent, uh, but they don't seem to like us much. And the idea that, uh, you know, George Bush is under, has been under this frustration that goes back to uh, the Bob Woodward book where he was frustrated after discovering that the Iraqis were insufficiently uh, in gratitude for having us invaded their country. <laughs> remarkable stuff. Um, remarkable thinking. But uh, not surprising, uh, given the fact that George Bush has morphed, really, from bubble boy to uh, out to lunch. Um, and this speech... I mean, it was just sickening listening to this thing. Um, what, what, what are some of the most remarkable um, statements? He says, this week, David Petraeus and Ambassador Crocker testified before Congress about how the strategy is progressing. In their testimony, these men made clear that our challenge in Iraq is formidable, yet they concluded the conditions in Iraq are improving and that we are seizing the initiative from the enemy, and that the troop surge is working. The goal of the surge is to provide that security and to propel, uh, prepare Iraqi forces to maintain it. And as I will explain tonight, our, quote, success, a word, by the way, that I use something like a dozen times, in meeting these objectives now allows us to begin bringing some of our troops home. Well, of course, it's been pointed out that with Bush's grandiose announcement that, uh, you know, 5,700 troops are coming home by Christmas. Um, and perhaps uh, as many as 30,000 by next year, uh, that somehow we're reducing our imprint there. Um, that's pretty much where we started out before the surge. And as been pointed out by experts, we didn't really put too many fresh troops in. We merely imposed one more stop-loss order. And, of course, the purpose of the surge was to embolden the Iraqi government, 
which uh, hasn't happened. Uh, there are continuing reports about corruption, uh, questionable loyalties, uh, Iraqi security forces that are involved in sectarian violence secretly. Uh, it just goes on and on uh, in terms of the problems. Incidentally, regarding the uh, Are We Safer debate, David Cole and Jules Lobel have an article in the 24th of September edition of The Nation <clears throat> where they uh, question the war on terror, quote-unquote, as being a success. Their article entitled Why We're Losing the War on Terror details, and these are according to U.S. figures, figures that I'm sure George Bush uh, wants to continue to ignore. According to Cole and Lober, they write, according to U.S. figures, international terrorist attacks increased by 300 percent between 2003 and 2004. In 2005 alone, there were 360 suicide bombings resulting in 3,000 deaths compared with an average annual rate of about 90 such attacks over the five preceding years that hardly constitute progress. At Guantanamo, for instance, where uh, America has said that we house the, quote, worst of the worst, the Pentagon's combatant status review tribunal's own findings categorized only 8% of some 500 detainees held there in 2006 as fighters for al-Qaeda or the Taliban. More than half of the 775 Guantanamo detainees have now been released, suggesting that they might not have been the worst of the worst at all. As for terror cells at home, the FBI admitted in February 2005 that it had yet to identify a single al-Qaeda sleeper cell in the United States. Of course, Bush kept repeating, uh, repeatedly referring to how the surge in Iraq is making us safer at home, really against uh, a non-existent uh, enemy. And it's just re remarkable. Uh, Bush, of course, at the end of his speech, claimed the success of a free Iraq is critical to the security of the United States. A free Iraq will deny al-Qaeda a safe haven. A free Iraq will counter the destructive ambitions of Iran. While all of those assertions are debatable, he concludes, whatever political party you belong to, whatever your position on Iraq, we should be able to agree that America has a vital interest in preventing chaos and providing hope in the Middle East. We should be able to agree that we must defeat al-Qaeda, counter Iran, help the Afghan government, and work for peace in the Holy Land, <laughs> and strengthen our military so we can prevail in the struggle against terrorists and extremists. Some say that gains that we are making in Iraq come too late. They are mistaken. It is never too late to deal a blow to al-Qaeda. It's never too late to advance freedom. <laughs> Remarkable. Uh, to associate the occupation of Iraq with freedom, uh, as so many Republicans have done uh, in the last week, and as I predicted last week, that 
moveon.org ad would provide a complete distraction um, for, you know, the real issues here. Um, the, re- the real debate has yet to be had. Maybe we'll see some of it in, in uh, upcoming weeks, but don't count on it. Uh, the number of Republican senators that are going to vote uh, for what's known now, I guess, as the Webb um, Amendment uh, sounds like cons- a considerable number. By the way, that amendment is just one thing that says that troops uh, that go to Iraq deserve to be at home as long as they've been stationed in Iraq, thereby, of course, making the withdrawal next April uh, inevitable because America simply doesn't have the troops to continue the, quote, surge. Um it's interesting that Bush, of course, uses that phrase "holy land." Uh, um, I guess that's a vicarious form or, or a, a vicarious wording or characterization of uh, the situation in Israel and the West Bank. Um, it isn't good, and as uh, Thomas Ricks noted uh, in one of his. Uh, um, analyses of uh, what, you know, what options really are are left. There aren't any, quote, good options. Um, there, of course, is stay the course, which uh, is what we've been pursuing these many, many years. George Bush, of course, long ago said, I will, won't be in a rush over Iraq in terms of withdrawing. Um Bush uh, back in uh, November of uh, of last year, as the surge was being announced in an Associated Press uh, article from Amman, Jordan, where apparently uh, Bush uh, was visiting uh, the uh, leader of Jordan. Bush said today that the United States will speed a turnover of security responsibility to Iraqi forces, but assured Prince uh, Prime Minister Maliki that Washington is not looking for a, quote, graceful exit from the war well into its fourth year. Yeah, um, no graceful exit at all. Pass the buck. Give it on to the successor. Keep the war going and keep talking about success. At least uh, the word victory apparently has been abandoned. Um, Getting back to Rick's real quickly, the other two options, of course, were withdrawal, um, which ironically, it's the Bush administration and his allies. Uh, John McCain, of course, now is using the word no surrender, the no surrender tour that he's using on the campaign trail as if somehow withdrawing from Iraq is surrender. Um, These uh, metaphors that are used in making arguments are incredible. Of course, the reason now being used, the reason we can't withdraw, is that it would lead to a humanitarian disaster. (laughs) There's already been a humanitarian disaster as a result of the war. Uh, It's unclear uh, that there would be uh, this big civil war that these people are predicting, these people, the leaders of our Iraq policy, have been wrong at every step of the way. 
Why are they now correct? We don't know. Even Tony Snow, in one of his last press conferences, said as much, admitted as much, and yet this is now being used as the argument for why we need to stay. Uh, Then, of course, there's the soft partition idea that's been advocated by people in the Council of Foreign Relations, and most notably Joe Biden, a Democratic presidential contender. I use that word contender in uh, quotes there. I don't think he's really in the race. And then, of course, there's um, the containment strategy in which America falls back in the region, and according to uh, some troops that were quoted uh, regarding this strategy, is to, quote, let them have the civil war that they seem to want to have. Well, yeah, um, that's probably what would happen in certain regions. Uh, Certainly when you have a military expert like Thomas Ricks pointing out that in the Basra region, uh, where the British, by the way, are about to withdraw, um, I don't know whether Bush is going to continue to include the British as part of the coalition of the willing, um, or whether he'll include Australia, uh, because John Howard, Prime Minister of Australia, seems like he's about to go down to defeat in upcoming elections. Uh, who knows? But uh, containment, by the way, was the policy, really, effectively, of this period between uh, 1991 and 2003 when George Bush, the dumber, started the second big Iraq war. But to, you know, give you an idea of how clueless President Bush is, in this speech he says, the government has not met its own legislative benchmarks, and in my meeting with Iraqi leaders, I've made it clear that they must. Yet Iraq's and national leaders are getting some things done. For example, they've passed a budget. They're sharing oil revenues with the provinces. They're allowing former Ba'athists to regain Iraq's, uh, Iraq's military or receive government pensions. Local reconciliation is taking place. Every single statement made in that, <laughs> that list, that laundry list of accomplishments by uh, what's going on in Iraq is false. There isn't any local reconciliation taking place. There's, you know, the phrase ethnic cleansing going on. There's rivalry between Sunni groups. There's rivalries between Shiite groups and vice versa. There's Sunnis fighting Kurds in the north. There is no oil revenue being shared with the provinces. In fact, the insurgents are siphoning off oil revenue. Oil, by the way, went over $80 a barrel uh, just recently for the first time ever. Before the Iraq invasion, it was $28 a barrel. No mention of that in George Bush's laundry lists of successes. Um, Of course, it probably is a success from his perspective. He and Cheney are linked to the oil uh, multinational corporations. Their stock prices have soared. Their price-earning ratios are incredibly low, and they're good buys, baby. Oil may be up to $100 a barrel in a month if a a hurricane uh, comes into the uh, Texas-Louisiana region, as is is very possible. Um, 
He says they've passed a budget. Really? Where is the money being spent? What's what's being um, what's being rebuilt in Iraq? Every single independent report claims there's virtually no uh, rebuilding going on. These are people in Iraq that four and a, four years. Uh, what what are we talking about? Almost thirty months since uh, Bush decided to uh, invade Iraq with shock and awe. The Iraqi people are shocked and in awe of how wonderful the American government has performed in providing basic services like electricity and sewage. Uh, this this speech is is uh, it's remarkable. I mean, it's it's this guy needs to be committed to a sanitarium. He's he's crazy. He's he lost his mind. He's lost his marbles. But at least he's passed the buck. So much for his uh, repeated invocations of Harry Truman um, because the courage that he's expressed and and demonstrated in recent years regarding this just absolutely bollocked up um, Iraq uh, war policy is is incredible. Um, And for the conservative commentators that claimed it was a good week for George Bush last week, I think they better look at some more of the facts on the ground. Um, it's it's a, it's a sad situation, um, and needless to say, um, the comparisons to Vietnam will continue to be made and should be made. And over the next several weeks, <clears throat> I'm going to try and bring up some of these historical comparisons in which Vietnam has been accomplished in Iraq. Um, things like America trying to prop up a weak puppet government, <laughs> the Iraq War lasting 17 years, the Vietnam War lasting 30, <laughs> um, destabilization of sovereign states, and uh, you know chaos that leads to uh, <clears throat> factionalism within uh, the region and within the country itself. America's continuing poor understanding of geography, culture, and the involvement uh, of uh, our forces in uh, search and destroy. That was the phrase used in Vietnam. Alas, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, There's only war and occupation at the end of America's tunnel. This, of course, is also uh, comparable to Vietnam in terms of a long, costly, expensive drain on the national budget amidst economic downturns that the American people don't realize. Massive deficit spending uh, is one more similarity. And interestingly, by the way, there's been a rapid decline of the American dollar, um, both now and back in the late 60s when the Vietnam policy was proving to be unsustainable. And uh, I guess you can... (laughs) even make a interesting comparison to the Tet Offensive and the so-called surge. Uh, of course, both wars have been pursued by Texans with little or no understanding of foreign policy. Alas, both wars have been pursued by presidents with an unwillingness to listen to military advice um, while uh, leaving incompetent secretaries of defense in charge. 